zone. It is I, the Theosaurus Rex. And I, Bridge Livewood. This is like total ASMR. <laughs> Did you guys get tingles at the back of your necks? Or whatever? Yes. You said you had like an opinion about ASMR. I do. Actually, <clears throat> I don't mind ASMR. This is the Theosaurus Rex, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, I don't mind ASMR. I actually listen to it when I go to sleep. Oh. Because it's relaxing. So what is it? Like people eating stuff and crinkling stuff and whispering? Uh, a lot of it's whispering. Uh, the, so there's um, ASMR Darling. And um, she does like a lot of like brushing the microphone and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then there's um, GB ASMR. And um, she just has this one thing where she's just like, there's thunderstorm music in the background, and she just reads you a story. And it's just <laughs> like, it's really, I'm just like, this is really, this is so wholesome and, like, relaxing. This <laughs> is glorious. But now I've kind of gotten into the story, so I don't know, like, so I got to kind of listen to it when I'm awake, but then it relaxes me too much, and then it's like, no, I just can't even. So I don't know. I'm, never, I'm probably never going to hear the end of it, which is very sad because I'm kind of interested in it now. That's crazy. It's an actual book. Sleep stuff, man. Like um, my my kid, one of my kids, my middle child. I don't know if I should name my kids on the podcast, so I won't. They don't have names as far as you guys are concerned. But um, he's really child. into like lucid dreaming is something he's like kind of obsessed with. Yes, I and can so, get it too, brother. So he's trying to like find strategies that'll make him lucid dream. And one of the things he does is like he puts his finger to his palm of his finger um, and he like taps it kind of thing. And he said when he's in a dream, his finger will go right through his palm. So that's how he'll be able to tell whether he's dreaming or not. Interesting. So far, he hasn't had success. But one of the things he wants to do is <laughs> when he's actually in a lucid dream, right? Oh, and for those of you that don't know, a lucid dream is where you're dreaming and you're aware that you're dreaming. Yes. And I've had dreams like that before when I was a kid where I'm like, oh, I'm dreaming. And then I just do the weirdest things because I know yeah. I could get away with it because it's really a dream, right? That's kind of the advantage to lucid dreaming. Yes, it is. And so what, what my son has, this idea is like, if I'm lucid dreaming, I'm going to tell other people in the dream that it's just a dream. And then I'm going to prove it to them <laughs> by bending the laws of physics. Oh, my gosh, I love that kid. That's a little... So, like, I, I lucid dream as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just a little bit everything. And, like, it's kind of like... It's almost like inception in a way. Like exactly. The more that you choose to do things, the more it breaks you out. So, like, um, there could be times, like, so, and I, I'd visit, like, the same worlds when I sleep a lot of times. And oh, so, like, that's I crazy. Or different areas of it. It's really, I find it really interesting. But what happens is, like, I can pull myself out of dreams <clears throat> if it's going the wrong way. Or I can alter things. Like, there was one time, for some reason, I don't know why, there were snakes at the bottom of the pool. And whenever you touched it, the snakes would come up to eat you. So I was like, I don't like this. There are no longer snakes in the bottom of the pool. <laughs> now they don't exist. And and I, I transported over there, and I had a different pool, and I sat in it. I sat in the pool, and then for then after a minute or so, just like I think I, I broke the world too much that I eventually kind of woke up into it. But I think that was the most um, crazy time. But a lot of times I don't necessarily realize I'm dreaming until there's something I want to change about it, and then I can go in there and mess with it. Oh, that's crazy, man. So a lot of times just experiencing the dream, and then I know, like, you know, I can just jump over here, and it would be cool. Hey, and, man, uh, 
I was just going to say, I like chicken, and I don't want to get political about it. Okay. Enough said. That's... <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Okay, good deal. <laughs> All right. Hey, um, I... Have you had chicken before? What was that? You ever, do they have chicken fillets up in uh, in Canada? Um, we do. We have one at our airport, the Calgary International Airport. Oh, that's probably not a real uh, Chick Fil A though. Like, because there's like there's airport Chick Fil A where they just have like two or three items, and then there's like real or airport Chick Fil A or food court Chick Fil A's, and then there's like like an actual restaurant that has like all the side items and stuff like that. Oh, uh, okay, then items. I haven't I haven't had real Chick Fil A then. Oh, it's all good. At least you've had, tried some. I wasn't even going to mention the name of the company, but like, you know, not political. No, I was just Also, Popeyes. Also in I Canada, I could, say some, I could say the word propane and then be like, I don't want to get political about that. But that's something you guys can Google later. Man, what a good start. Like, we're, we're almost getting political, but not quite. Hey, I, yeah. I, I was thinking, um, I love hurting people more than I love broken people because it's funnier. So, wait, you like causing people pain more no, than you like No, 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 there's the people that hurt, hurting people. Oh. Well, yeah. But it's so just sad. way funnier to state it that way, isn't it? Yes. It's like, it's like oh, I love broken people. That's not funny. But saying I love hurting people. That's really bad. We actually, we actually did like, we did an episode of ADD Masterminds, where I was like, you know, like hurt people, hurt people. Yes. Right? And I'm I like, if you say it one. this way, you could be like, hurt people, hurt people. <laughs> the word hurt is just a lot of fun. Yes. But it's not fun to experience. I think hurting people turn into broken people. That's maybe why it's so, like, what's so different. And hurting people's funny. Broken people not funny. Yes. So only hurt them a little bit. Yeah. Just enough to make sure that you're happy. <laughs> Just enough that it amuses you. I, I think I'm really, this is really poor theology. But, you know, you Probably. should be nice to your friendly neighborhood retail employee. Yes, you should. Oh, this is a PSA for all you people out there. Be nice to people who are working retail in the food service industry, especially mm -hmm. during this season. They want to be with their families, and they don't want to be there any more than you really want to be there. Yeah, man. So be nice to them, and don't yell at them. It's Where, really sad. Wherever you're buying your chicken or yeah. propane. Oh. <laughs> or Christmas presents. or <clears throat> I mean, holiday presents. I say we just like fill this like episode with dog whistles that we won't explain. Okay, we can do that. <laughs> okay, oh, no, boomer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. It's just such so, a great. Okay, yeah. So the millennials strike back. That's what you put on that <laughs> for the ADD yes. master list. So I think what it really is. So, like, you've got the, you know about the generations. You've got the boomers born in the 50s and 60s. Mm -hmm. Then you got Gen Xers, 70s and 80s. And you got yeah. millennials, mid-80s. And um, then you've got the Zoomers, which are, like, 96 through 2010, maybe. Oh, Zoomers. But, I haven't heard that. It's Generation I like that. C. Yeah, yeah. But, but we're, I, I, a lot of people call them Zoomers because they're really just like the boomers. They're just younger. 
Oh my um, gosh, my kids so, are going to love to hear that. So I think the Zoomers call the Gen Xers the boomers, and the but the Gen Xers blame the millennials for it, and the boomers are really just there. They don't even know what's going on. But <laughs> I think it's a situation to where the the so we'll just use the term millennials. We'll just say the millennials are the ones doing it. The millennials are being blamed for everything, and they're just like, oh, we're going to blame you, blame you, blame you, blame you. Oh, you're the reason why, the, you know, coffee shops are dying because everyone wants this, or, you know, yeah, mom yeah. and pop shops are dead, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, so they've been hitting, and the, and the millennials have been just, like, dealing with, like, so much stuff being thrown at them and told how terrible they are, and they finally have one insult back. It's like, okay, boomer. And then everyone loses their mind. Like all the boomers are like, this is the end of any kind of generational relationships ever. They're being so hostile. They've destroyed everything. It's like, and Generation X is just like, whoa, what's going on here? Um, like, hey, but, huh? And then there's like some people like, what about Generation X? And I'm like, shh. <laughs> exactly. Um. Man, I want to start saying "Okay, Zoomer" to my kids now. Okay, Zoomer. Yeah, That's the it, title of this episode, right here. <laughs> okay, Zoomer. <laughs> yes. No, I I think the problem is is like it it bothered me that people kept picking on the millennials. I'm one of the few Xers that actually is like I like millennials. Um, We're really cool. They want something authentic, and they won't buy into the garbage that my generation bought into. They're not. Yeah. Typically, the people that are like, ooh, smoke machine, I like this church. They're more like, okay, yeah. smoke machine, that makes me suspicious. Something is smoke and mirrors here. Right. Which I'm like, well, that's interesting because it's like kind of like the boomers, you know, kind of brought in this like whole, hey, let's make a modern church and we'll make it like a, like a, like a, um, a concert. And the Xers were like, yeah. It's, yeah, concert. Yeah, it's like a concert, and we're gonna have a mosh pit down there, and you know, whatever, right? And <laughs> you know, now the millennials are like, uh, "Can we just get to know the real Jesus?" Yeah, what if we just sing a couple songs, and then you just sit down and teach us out of the Bible? How about that? Yeah, and wow. yeah. So I mean, back to simplicity. And there's a lot of I think um, millennials who are like getting into liturgy and stuff like that, and yeah. so. It's, it's just oh, it's interesting huge. to me, and I feel like there's a lot to learn from the younger generations. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot to learn from the greatest generation. There's a reason why they're called the greatest generation. I, I yeah. love people at that age. Um, I do struggle with boomers, um, generally speaking. But, I mean, this is like any time you, you split up, you know, people into into groups, you know, without getting political. But it's like if we're going to start looking at people and saying... This segment of the population does this. This segment of the population, it's like so. So this is the thing. They like they are now calling Generation X the Karen generation. Yes. Now I'm like, am I a Karen? <laughs> yes, you totally are. <laughs> I, you need to speak to my manager. I'm a retail employee. I'm like, how how am I a Karen? You know what? Whatever. I don't yeah. care. I don't care. But I, that's the problem is, is, is we start like grouping people according to generations and we decide already right. what they are. And it's, it's ageism, right? And yeah, in many ways. And so it, it's funny to me that the millennials came back with OK Boomer, but at the same time, I'm like, well, this is all inflammatory. All of this right. is inflammatory. And it's like, what is, what is our purpose here? Mm -hmm. You know, behind being inflammatory, are we trying to break relationship? But I mean, at some point, 
Somebody has to be the bigger person. Yeah. And it's not going to be the boomers. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think a lot of it comes in the fact that it's like there's a lot of stuff that things have changed so much. Like um, I've been on the, the search for a job thing and they're like, don't go into the stores. There's no point to. You just go online and look online for the, the website. Hmm. And then um, go online, look on the website, apply, go from there. And, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then, but the boomers, like, they're, they're stuck in the way that they used to do it. Back in the yeah. day, you went from store to store to store. And so then it's, I think it's just, it's a, it's a strike back. But I really think it's less boomers and millennials. I think it's more the Gen Xers and Zoomers. That um, are, who are, do, that are yeah, bashing who are, the boomers, you mean? Yeah, like, so the Zoomers are yeah. calling Gen Xers the boomers. <laughs> That's awesome. And so it just talk because like your millennials like um, depending on your your philosophy and then we'll we'll leave we'll ADD for away from this one, um, but you're depending on your philosophy your um, your millennials could be anywhere from like 34 to um, almost 39. Mm. So like our millennials aren't like the this you know the 20 year old no. kids anymore. No, no, you're right, you're right. And so when we think millennial, like. You know, when Generation Xers, anyways, think millennial, we're thinking actually of Zoomers. Yeah, which kind of goes, but it's just like the whole thing. Like, so Disney Plus came out, and um, and so I subscribed to it, and I'm like, oh, look at all this, these really cool shows that I used to watch when I was a kid, like Darkwing Duck and that kind of stuff. Oh, and it's so like good, that stuff came out like 30 years ago. And I'm like, yeah. oh, what is this? What is it? not really 30? You know, 25 years ago. But anyway, it's like that was only like 10 years ago. So. So all I can think right now is, okay, boomer, okay, zoomer, okay, boomer, okay, zoomer. That could be a song. Oh, yeah. I think you're the background for it. Kind <laughs> of oh, ride some yeah. heat. Okay. Anyways. Um, hey, so you wanted to talk about manufacturing controversy for clout. Oh, my gosh. There's yes. a lot of that going down. Oh, yeah. And so actually, it's really cool that you you paired that up with the OK Boomer, the Mono Strike Back, mm. um, because I think it's kind of the same thing. So there's a website of discernment ministry or polemics ministry called Pulpit and Pen, uh-huh. and they um, they hate Beth Moore so much. They write articles after articles after articles about how terrible Beth Moore is. Mm-hmm. So Beth Moore finally responds back. Like she, she hasn't talked about them at all. Then finally responds back in one tweet saying, you know, so-and-so, I really like what you have to say, and I don't care what those um, pencil head and, and <laughs> poo-poo brains. Or some, it was something really just pencil like Pencil head silly. and poo-poo brains. It wasn't quite poo-poo brains, but it was along that lines. That doesn't sound like Beth Moore. She's usually got more class than that. That's odd. Yeah, so she went down. It was a very Trump-esque insult. Um, just, anyway, so... A very bleep-esque Insults. I'm going to have Sorry. to bleep that again. Okay. President Sorry. Bleep. Follow President Bleep on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned the fact that President Bleep exists on Twitter now. Yeah. And he's hilarious. He is. You Love should me. follow him. Follow him. So she goes and she finally shoots back at them with uh-huh. like basically her own version of OK Boomer. And I, the PMP people, the pulpit and PMP, I've just... They're freaking out. 
And so they're just like, it's like, oh, oh, we've been attacked by this woman. She calls us the pencil heads and and um, pumpeteers or whatever it was. <laughs> and so, so you got that thing, which is it's like, oh my goodness, why are y'all so touchy about that? But then also, so I have a friend that writes for him. He's a friend of the show on uh-huh. the the Theosaurus Rex writing with Rex thing. Uh-huh. Um, and he's over here like Beth Moore insults at me. I was like. Beth Moore never called. She didn't. Beth Moore called me out, and just like writing these articles about. It's like Beth Moore never mentioned you. She's she made fun of PMP, and so it just got me thinking about the fact that like how many people like, and how often in our daily lives do we go in and like, pers- take something personally and then consider it as though it was a personal attack, even though it wasn't. I think this is like a. A terrible part of our society right now, and I, I think that there are like um, uh, many, many um, YouTube channels that are essentially just people making fun of other people. Yeah, like it's it's an epidemic right now, and I think it's rooted in people not having an actual core identity, and they have to build their identity based on um, tearing someone else down. And mm. there are many people that make a living doing that. Yeah. And I'm like, this is so ridiculous. And it's just, it's lowest common denominator kind of entertainment. Um, right. And it's like, I feel better about myself because, and I, I, I find even shows like Dr. Phil, I'm like, I feel better about myself because I'm not terrible like that person. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't understand. It's like people can't see that that's what's going on. And they just right. keep, keep on, you know, like buy into this stuff. And I'm like, it's such garbage. Like, I'm like, there are better ways to find your identity. And I, I, I think yeah. that like, we have a world full of people whose identity is rooted in what they do. Mm-hmm. And then they compare what they do to someone else. And if that other person is terrible at what they do, or if they can figure out a way to say that person, what that person does is terrible, it makes what they do look better. Mm. I was um, thinking about this um, yesterday, and I tweeted about it, and I said, good mental health is striking the optimum balance between doing and being. Hmm. And I, I had to think about that one for a bit because I'm like, that's a very, like, very simple saying, a very simple way of looking yeah. at it. But the more I think about it, the more I think I'm right in saying that. Because I'm like thinking, like, for me, it's like why I always preach Sabbath because it's like you are now being. But you can't stay in Sabbath forever because then you get depressed because you have no purpose. Right. So it's like finding that correct amount of doing so that you still have purpose, but enough being that your purpose isn't who you are. Because then, if you start sucking at what you're doing, so like if my purpose is to be a musician, mm-hmm. and that's all I do 24-7, and it turns out there's a better musician than me, right? it's like, oh, no, what am I going to do now? Well, I'm going to find a musician that's worse than me and say, I'm better than him. 
<laughs> right? Right. But if you're able to root your identity in being and say, like, I'm going to take a day off from playing music. Now, obviously, if you're a church musician, Sunday's not going to be the day you're going to take off from playing music. But you need a day where you can be instead of do. And I think that that's a big cause of this. Yeah. I don't know. That's my theory anyways. I'm still working on it, on my theory. When I think a lot of times, like, so I recently went through a time where I was working so much, like over 60 right. hours a week, just mm-hmm. between drive times and, and all this kind of stuff, just all yeah. together. And um, so then I, I, I got to go on a, um, I got to be fun employed for a little bit. And there was so much going on with that where it's like, I don't have anything to do all day. What am I going to do with my life? Which is very interesting. And um, so then after a while, though, it's just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to do the exact same thing I've done every day, which is go and look for jobs. Yay. Mm. And so I really think that a lot of times we we go to these extremes on either end. We, do, yeah. we don't have as much of a balance. Yeah. And that, that balance – so. So in an externally processing kind of way, mm-hmm. I have come to realize that what you've said is very true. Mm. And I affirm Good. that. Good. Good. And I, you know, it was funny because initially I was thinking about kind of this lull because I do, I do struggle with depression. And mm-hmm. I found that it's like basically around three o'clock that I start to feel kind of that, that low and it used yeah. to deceive me. It used to be like, oh, my life is trash. I suck at everything, right? But right. then I started to recognize, oh, this is my chemical low right now. Mm. And what it made me think is like, how have I overcome that? Because I've forgotten that I have that chemical low. Like it's just become second nature to dismiss that and, and cope somehow, right? And right. what I've realized is I've been bringing my being and doing into into balance and it's like oh i've been doing too much it's time to be now oh i've been being too much i've got to do something right and it's like kind of right. finding that sweet spot actually that reminds me i was gonna i actually had this on the list too um there's this show trailer park boys that you shouldn't watch and i don't recommend but um <laughs> there's this guy who runs the t- trailer park his name is Leahy. And um, he's an alcoholic, and uh, he actually gets himself a breathalyzer um, because he believes that there's a sweet spot, like just the right level of intoxication where life is tolerable. Wow. Wow, I just ruined all the, like, wisdom in that, didn't I? Bye. I don't know. I just thought it was funny because people have their coping mechanisms, right? Yeah. And so that's, that's a bad example of a coping mechanism. And I think this um, doing being is more of a mm-hmm. biblical way of looking at things because yeah. the Bible does say rest. Yeah, and, it does. And the Bible does say work. And it's like finding the right work-rest ratio. Yeah, yeah. and I think a lot of times, um, especially in our... our um, for those of us who have commutes and like longer commutes that really throws stuff into it because, well, yes, I'm not at work, but during this hour drive and I'm kind of resting, but I'm not really resting. Mm. And so your, your body kind of gets confused with it. But if you think about it, like, well, that hour drive, you know, back and forth, you know, one or once a, um, 
drive, hour drive there, hour drive back, that's taking your eight-hour day into a 10-hour day. And if you take an hour for lunch, then you've got an 11-hour day, assuming you get in right at time and you leave right at time, which doesn't often happen. Right. So then next thing you know, you've got – so if you work a little bit late, you're you're away from home at, like, at least 12 hours out of the day. Then you yeah. get home, and, and it's just all like, wow, are you ever really resting? Yeah. And then you, you just get like way overdone it. And then on Saturdays or the weekend is when you're doing all the stuff that you haven't been able to do during the day because you've been doing all this, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so um, whereas in biblical times, everything was so close and you were just walking around mm. for the most part. Yeah. So like, oh, let me go out into my backyard and go do whatever my stuff is with the crops. And yes, it was really hard, intensive labor. But once you finished, then you were finished. And then you, because you didn't have... Um, artificial light. I mean, you have like candles and whatnot, or and lamps and whatnot. But then, would, when night fell, then then well, this is the time that we sleep. And so you were kind of forced to, due to the fact that culture was so different, to take Sabbaths and to take rest and stuff. It's very interesting. Now this this is like a whole topic in and of itself. Oh man, it is. Um, so something else I've been thinking about, which is kind of related, is like. Creativity, um, you know, with, I don't know if we've talked on ADD Masterminds about air smudge at all. I think we must have, because I put the air smudge tag at the end of the last episode, didn't I? Maybe. I wasn't able to be part of the last one. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, yeah, you wouldn't know unless you heard it. Um, <laughs> but anyways, so this, this idea of an artist collaborative, and I've had the opportunity to now create, you know, sonic branding for both you and for Ooh. Jimmy's table, um, and um, create the sonic brand for Air Smudge to put the end at the end of our podcast and start promoting each other as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I have another buddy who's got a podcast. I created some music for him, and um, I helped somebody edit their novel, and I'm, I'm doing all this stuff. And I was thinking about like creativity. And how creativity, it's almost like, like a goldfish. Um, and yeah, creativity is like a goldfish. There we go. No. But um, this <laughs> idea of like a goldfish, when you put a goldfish in a bigger pond, the goldfish gets bigger, right? Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about like, it's almost like your credit limit on your credit card. I've been using my credit card to, um, to do company expenses, right? For, and then I expense it. But it's like my credit limit keeps increasing because I'm spending more money. Yeah. Right? And I end up paying it off anyway, so like whatever, right? But it's like the more you use, the more you have. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's like that principle of being generous with your money and then God will give you more. But I think with creativity, it's like I got ideas and I'm going to use these ideas because when I'm done with these ideas, more ideas are going to come and it's this constant flow and I feel like the vast majority of people will have one good idea and they hoard it to themselves. And then they try to make money at it and they're either successful or they're not. But I think we could be creative powerhouses if we were just willing to give it away. Hmm. Yeah, because then you do. And I think. I don't know. Like, is that true for everyone, yeah. or is that just something that like some people can do? That's what I wonder. I think part of it could come from the fact that like, there's not 
as much pressure. Of course, you always do everything to the best of your abilities. Right. But there's not as much pressure if you're not being paid for it. Um, and yeah. so then yeah. it comes to personal. So it's like, well, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. So like as an example for your the air smudge that you made for me, it's like and I don't, I'm just throwing out as probably shouldn't say that I shouldn't use that one. Um, if you sorry, so <laughs> let's say that let's I say it reading, really sucks, but you're nice to your friend. No, I'm just kidding. No, 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 that's not. No, no, no. no, no I know I it's all good. Don't worry. Then go because I was like, now I'm thinking for you, and it's just so like <laughs> if you give me a paper to read and I'm not being paid for it, then I can read over it, and it's not. I'm not. I'm not stressed about it. Right. I can just do it and say, you know what? What if you went this way? What if you went that way? And and I can make changes to it, and it may not be perfect, but it would be something that I like enjoy doing, and I can help you out, and I can think more about like what if you went in this direction, or could you really maybe yeah. do this more? Whereas if I'm being paid for it, then it's like okay, I gotta make sure that every T is swiped and every yeah. I is dotted correctly and every comma is there. And, and the creativity and is lost at that point, isn't it? Yeah, because you're you're working so hard for structure. And I think maybe that is the reason behind Air Smudge, is that mm -hmm. I'm like, I want people to be free to be creative, entry-level artists to be free to be creative, and there's nobody saying, you got to do it in this way so you can make money at it. It's like, no, right. we're just going to create for the sake of creativity. Yeah. And it's like, let's create something interesting to us, and maybe people will enjoy it, or maybe they won't, but we've got zero overhead, so we're just going to create. And... You created a podcast, you know, so-and-so is going to create the art for you, so-and-so is going to do the music for you, we're going to put it all together, and each of us is going to contribute something, and then we're going to see where it goes, and it's kind of right. like an experiment, and maybe one day someone will make the big time. Yeah. So, I've been thinking about, like, I want to get more productive, right, because I have, you know, like, my Bridge of Watt album I'm still working on. Got the two podcasts. I've got, you know, I'm trying to write a book that has kind of fallen along the wayside. Um, I, I did edit that. someone's novel, so I did accomplish that. I did that hey. on the bus. That's kind of my thing. It's like I read a lot on the bus. So um, I'm trying, yeah. So um, I was listening to this podcast where this guy was talking about an untouchable day. And so this guy has written, you know, he's a, he's a writer. He's actually now a full-time writer. And he said, even that, I was like, oh, good, I can write my book now. I'm doing this full time, which is like every writer's dream. Oh, I can yes. do this full time now. And the guy's like, well, actually, I've got meetings to go to now. I've got, you know, got to work on my marketing plan. And there's all these things outside of actually writing the book that have been pulling him in different directions. Mm. And he said, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to set aside an untouchable day. So this untouchable day means I'm not on social media, I'm not available on phone, which is a huge thing for like a best-selling artist to be, or yeah. best-selling author to like not be in touch with people. And mm -hmm. he said, even with his wife, he said, I'm gonna be at the coffee shop. If you need me, come get me, but I'm not answering my phone today. Yeah. And so he set up this untouchable day and I was like, that's an interesting idea because already I feel like my like social media free Sunday is a great day for me to just be. And it's really done wonders, I think, for my mental health. 
And I'm like, so now how can I up my productivity? And so I decided, okay, well, here's what I'm going to do. Last Saturday, I made myself an untouchable day. About as untouchable as I could get was just basically getting off social media so I could complete all the you know, music stuff and everything. That's actually when I did all those um, sonic branding, uh, right? That's yeah. when I accomplished all those because I had put all that on hold. I, or I got, you know, stopped putting all my creativity into social media because okay. I post a lot. It's ridiculous. Um, you do. So I did that. So I, I, I stopped that for that day and I channeled all my creativity into the sonic branding. And then um, Wednesday, I was like, I'm going to do this again. So I stayed off social media for the whole day and I made that a second day because this guy actually has worked it out. His untouchable day is actually untouchable. I, I'm still available by phone and stuff like that. And I was messaging yeah. back and forth on, with people and stuff. But I was staying off of just the general posting and the general reading people's feeds. Yeah. And it's actually, I think, stepping up my productivity so I can do these creative things and continue to be a goldfish <laughs> and seeing how I can expand it. And right. I'm like, that's a really cool idea. So beyond just Sabbath, an untouchable day. Whatever that well, means think, to you. Like um, uh, George R. R. Martin, who wrote The Game of Thrones and stuff like mm -hmm. that, he has his own writing area, and it's a little, it's either a room off there or a separate little office thing, and he, he writes on a computer that's not connected to the internet Yeah. that is yep. it's just a word processing thing. Mm -hmm. And so you don't get all distracted and everything. It's like I go, because I know one of the problems with me is I'll go, like, I'll go to the coffee shop to kind of get away from everything, or I'll go to like my office. And I start doing stuff, and then it's like, oh, let me – I'm, like, doing really good. I'm writing, getting a lot of progress through. And then it's like, oh, let me look up what the Greek word was for this. And I get in there, and then, oh, let me just check Facebook real quick. Yeah. And then yep. something there makes me upset, and then I got to yep. go respond to that. And then it's just – then my whole thought process is off, and, I'm, and it takes me forever to get back to where I was in the beginning. Or just same thing, like when you're, when you're at, like, an office, just all these little interruptions just throws you off your – It um, does, yeah. Your thought process, and then you yeah. gotta try to get back to it. So yeah, the idea of having an untouchable day is very good. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's. I I like the fact that you know, like it's cool that people appreciate you know what I'm doing, you know, on social media. <laughs> That's cool and everything, but I'm not really letting it affect my behavior. So if I am yeah. off social for three days a week now. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well, that's cool. And like, if people don't notice, that's awesome. If people do notice, it's kind of weird to me, but okay. Well, like, <laughs> I don't know what to do with right. that. It's just like, but, um, I've noticed for the last 19 hours and 33 minutes that you haven't posted anything. <laughs> the last 19, yeah, not, no. I posted Actually, a lot today. Okay, never mind then. <laughs> My uh, bad. My pastor says something really cool. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes they do that. And he said, grace is the substance that enables us to carry out the will of God. Okay. Hmm. And I feel like that is the sweet spot, you know, when it comes to faith and works. Yeah. Is knowing that, like, okay, so grace is the substance that enables us to carry out the will of God. So it's like if I'm doing the will of God, if I'm living righteously, it's because of grace. Therefore, 
I can't look at the other guy and say, I'm better than you because I'm doing better things than you. Because it's only by God's grace I'm even capable of doing these things. Now, when I see that guy that's like living a garbage life, Mm -hmm. I want to look at him and say, man, I want to share this grace with you. I want you to experience this substance that's enabling me to live the optimal life, right? Because carrying out the will of God is the optimal life. Right. So I, I just thought that was a great way of looking at it. Grace. Grace. So, hmm. I can see that because God's going to call us the murder. I really should look over this stuff more before the show. <laughs> In my defense, um, the job I'm working at now, I have to work later. Yeah. So, um, but it was all good. No, that's really interesting. It is such an interesting thought. I've been mulling it over for like a week now, and I'm just like, I, yeah. I like that statement. And I'm like, I don't know if he even made that up or if that's something. Right. But um, the other thing, you know, I was thinking, too, is, is this term giftedness. And we mm-hmm. may have addressed this before, but it's funny to me how giftedness is something people can be proud of. Yeah. When in reality, it's just like the grace. It's just that substance that enables you to carry out whatever God's got planned for your life. It's like right. giftedness means you didn't work to earn this talent that you already have. Yeah. Now, I mean, I really firmly believe that success equals talent plus hard work plus luck. So it's like you have an inherent nature that you're good at something. You work hard at it. But again, you got to be in the right place at the right time, and that's just something that you can't control. That is true. And so to be and successful at anything, like it's, it's insane. So it's like I, I like doing music, but I'm like, okay, so maybe I've got some of the giftedness. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll work hard at it, okay, but they're still lucky, right? And yep. am I gifted enough to do it professionally? I don't know. And I think that kind of with giftedness, it's almost like... Um, so to go back to video games, and I don't know how many of our our boomer audience <laughs> plays video games, or the zoomers, but, or the moomers. Yes, the moomers or the zoomers. <laughs> um, how Z- many zoomers? Yeah, zoomers. Oh, it's pronounced the same way. Oh my! <laughs> um, but like, so it's, it's like when you have play a video game, a lot of times, like you you might need to check out your loadout. And so you know, okay, well, I'm going to be doing a lot of long-range combat, therefore I'm going to load out with a sniper rifle and, like, a pistol as opposed to, like, an assault rifle or whatever the case is. And it doesn't mean that you're... And then if you get in a close-quarters thing and you've got a sniper rifle, that, you know, you're just not... You're not going to be as good as if you're in a close-quarter thing and you have, like, say, a shotgun or an assault rifle or whatever. So you're making sure that you have ammo for both of your weapons? Is that what you're saying? Well, you got to make sure that you got to make sure that whatever situation you're going into, you're prepared for it. Right. And I think that in the same way, so God, and it talks about in First Corinthians 12 and then First Corinthians 14, but specifically in First Corinthians 12, that um, the Holy Spirit gives His gifts to whom He wills. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that so when God gives us gifts, he he knows, OK, right now, um, John's going to be in a situation where he's going to have this happen. Let right. me give him the gifts that he needs to be able to do that. Right. And, um, and, it's not, and you can't just use it like and so it's not like the way that I, based on my reading of 12, that he gives it as he wills. That means that when you leave that situation, he may take it. He may take whatever those gifts are away from you, mm. because you no longer need them. It's for a season. So, yeah, for yeah. a season. Now you may have it. Your season may be for a very long time. Who knows what it is? So to take to be, you know, to arrogant or to be proud of the gifts that you've given, you know, it's just like so. Going back to the video game thing, it's like, well, yeah. So you sniper, you're, you may be a great sniper, but as soon as you get close quarters, then you're not prepared for that. And that's what I think God does. And he doesn't just allow you to sit in the one area where you're always happy and content and where, yeah. and where you're doing really well a lot of times. Yeah. He throws you in different situations so that you have to continually learn to rely on him. Yeah, it's friction. And I think, you need yeah, and friction. I think that's the beautiful thing about the fact that that God or that the Holy Spirit, well, all of them, it's the same thing. But that the Holy Spirit gives you gifts and, he's, and he takes them away at times because yeah. that means you have to. When God brings you in different areas, then He's still, He's He's going to give you a new set, a new loadout, a new set of gifts that you can do, and yeah. uh, and I think it's really cool the the way that that works. And when we get proud in our one area, I think that's really just it's just a matter of time until you get humbled down from there. And God says, okay, now I'm going to put you in this totally different area. You have to learn to adapt, and yeah. here are some new gifts you get to learn how to use. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, it's funny too. I was thinking of um, Charles Stanley. In one of his sermons, he said, like, if you want a gift, if you want the Holy Spirit to give you gifts, you need to put yourself in situations where you need that thing. Like, if you just sit and you're like, okay, God, I want a gift for this, 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 and you're <laughs> never putting yourself in a situation where that gift would be used. Yeah. Right? And so... That makes... Yeah. God, Charles Stanley's so cool. Fun fact, he is the... Um, the pastor of First Baptist Church Atlanta, which uh-huh. is where the Theosaurus Rex hails from. Woo! Sweet. Yes. yes. Very cool. Hey, so I was going to ask this question. I don't, didn't really think too much about it for myself, but <laughs> what are you not good at? Nothing. Because we always, like, talk about what we're good at, but it's like, what are yeah. you not good at? I'm not good at, at anything. Therefore, I'm, I'm not good at anything Therefore, I am good at everything. That's like some, not... that's some like Paul level. <laughs> the Apostle Paul, everybody. Woo! <laughs> I, there's, I think for me, I try to be really, um, I try to acknowledge things that I'm not good at and yeah. then not be around them and not mm. do them. The whole Strength Finders thing really screwed me up. Strength Finders is like, a, it's teaching you advo- avoidance. Yeah, basically, because huh. the whole thing is like, if your strengths are, you know, one, two, and three, or A, B, and C, then you just need to focus only on A, B, and C, and don't worry about the other stuff, because you're never going to be as good at, at the other things as you are going to be A, B, and C. Oh, and so see. It's one of those things where it's like, good, now I'm going to stay away from this. Stay away from, like, um, being on time. So I'm going to find a job where I don't have to be on time. Yes, that's great. Yeah. You know, well, that's... Maybe, and that's, I mean, that's part of it, too, is, like, this idea of becoming an expert. Um, mm-hmm. In the book, The Death of Expertise, um, the author, whatever his name is, um, he says uh, that 
one of the failures of people who are experts is they start applying their expertise in their field to try to solve other problems and it fails yes. because they have this false sense of confidence. So if you have A, B, and C and you can become super expert at that, when you're faced with a D situation, you're going to use A, B, and C strategies mm -hmm. ineffectively <laughs> to solve right. D, right? And so it's like it's better to dabble in several things instead of just becoming an expert in fewer things. That makes sense. Yeah. To answer your question, I am not good at dealing with people who are either really arrogant and don't deserve to be yeah. or who are intentionally um, being obtuse. <laughs> who deserves to be arrogant? People who are actually good at what it is. And nobody, you know, so like, nobody deserves to be arrogant. I, I think that's a failure to, in our society. It's like, well, he's earned it. He's now yeah. a boomer. Therefore, he's lived oh. more years than me. <laughs> no K boomer. No. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, that was it. That was an ADD Masterminds uh, episode, wasn't it? Okay or no K. I don't know when that was, but I remember that title. Um, it was BT, the fourth day source. There's just, there's so much in, in, in the Bible that speaks against the arrogant. And it's yeah. like, if you are arrogant, you're not accepting, you know, Christ as your salvation. So you're not saved. Like if you're, if you've got this attitude that you can do everything, well then mm -hmm. why do you need God? Right. And sure. so. But yeah, no, I, it is really hard to have patience or love for the arrogant. Yeah. And I, I so you can even go too. like confidence versus arrogance, I guess. So like yeah. I'm okay with more people who are super confident if they deserved it. That's like, okay, I got you. You're good. You can be confident. Just don't be a jerk about it. I guess that's where arrogance comes in is when you're a jerk about it. Well, confidence is an interesting thing too. I like this is one of my topics I like to obsess over because it's like when you have enough confidence you don't need to compare yourself to other people right. in fact you have so much confidence that you're giving it away to other people yeah goldfish confidence Woo! it's like so as an example and um, so I give I give talks about um, to I, I travel around and I give talks at different times to, right. uh, to people about living a single life and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so the last time I went over to Birmingham to do that, I didn't give the talk the single life talk, and everyone was all like, "Oh, why are you not giving this talk?" Blah, blah, blah. You've only ever given it since I've been part of this, you know, organization. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was like uh, that was cool and everything. When the new guy came up, I was like, "Hey, let me help you do this because, like, you know, I." I was trying to lift him up and edify him and stuff like that. And I, because I'm confident in the fact that like, I know the way that my talk is and it's good in the way it is and it's different than everybody else's, which is fine. There's, there's nothing at all I got to worry about. So it was like, let me help this other guy and do it. And let me try to get, build up his confidence yeah. to be able to give this talk in a way. And there wasn't like, I'm not threatened at this by all or at all. Good. But then you've got the people who aren't confident about things and who are really like, little or small people in, in many ways and they just yeah. they lash out and they they can't take anyone questioning them and um and i think that's where but a lot of times those are really arrogant mm, now i have to rethink my whole arrogant thing what is, is 
Yeah, what do you what do you see when you see that person who's arrogant, who won't give away anything because they've got this, you know, little corner on the, you know, I speak about this all the time. Yeah. I think it's it's one of the for me anyway, just be and especially since I've experienced like not having to do that it's like is that like really so then i think to the person who maybe this is my little topic or whatever the case is and it's like are are you, are you that like does it matter that much if it means that much to you you need help in other areas if yeah. like that's what you're totaling you're going back to the identity thing if that's where your identity is then you need you need help in other ways that yeah. i can't give you that help with yeah, and it's like I don't want to attack them in in their little corner about yeah. it because that's that is the fullness of their identity. It is, yeah, and it's and so sad. I, and so it's like getting you know instead of like I hate that arrogant person, and I want to punch them in the face, right? Which is usually most people's first reaction to that person. Yeah. But when you actually take a step back and you look at it, and you're like, that's really sad. Like. This I'm person really, I feel really bad for this person. Yeah. So having that compassion and maybe still recognizing the image of God and saying, man, there's so much more to that person than what they understand about themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do I help them see that? Or is it my job to help them see that? Is it my job to just try to show them compassion? Maybe a compassion that shocks them because they never experienced that compassion. Yeah. Like, so I know um, I was in a band um, in college and everything. And for some reason, so I played keys and Uh I sung. And then we had a guitar player who also sung. And he was like really big. He had been in band in high school and everything. And so he was very, we will do everything perfectly and in time in this way. And mm. I was like, let's just flow a little bit more. And like, yeah. you know, maybe God wants us to do the chorus twice instead yeah. of everything. And um, we got in this really big, and that was where his identity was. Mm. And so as I began to, hey, let me sing this song. Or, hey, what if we change it this way? He became really like defensive of it. And it really yeah. hurt our friendship. Yeah, because um, we were best of friends and everything, and so it was one of those where it was like, you know what, we're gonna the band's gonna break up for a little bit, and we'll we'll figure out what happens later on because right yeah. now I can't deal with the way that you're being because it's not it's um it's stifling and oppressive to me, and also and obviously I can't be the one to help you with that. So then we yeah. we broke up for a little bit, and you know we we still acknowledge each other, all that kind of stuff, but then. And it was eventually something where it was a lot of prayer and everything. And then he came up and he was like, hey, you know what? I really miss being able to do this. Let's look at this. And and he began to find his identity in something other than that because in some ways it was taken away. And, and we can't always do that to other people to take away what their identity is in because his, it was in the band. And by my us breaking up, he didn't have it anymore. But it was just a um, – like he wasn't in a position for me to – to reach out to him and to talk with him about it because he was seeing me as a threat and as an enemy, even though it was like, we are both talented in very, very different ways. Yeah. And so I can't, I'm not even going to compare myself to you because we're, we're not comparable. Yeah. But he was comparing himself to me because anyway, so it's just one of those things where like, so to answer your question, I think there are times where we can't help the other person. And sometimes by no. not doing it, we, we help the person. Yeah, and then also have a lot of prayer. 
vow of prayer. Yeah, and I think that this is, you know, when we talk about identity issues, you know, there's so many identity issues within our society without really getting into, you know, the details. Yeah. Um, generally speaking, you know, you can look at morality, you can look at, um, you know, people serving in the church. Like, honestly, I, it, you know, it's a weird thing that dawned upon me today. I'm like, everybody wants to be a rock star. Like, yeah. you're a pastor standing up there basically trying to do stand-up comedy to get the con- your congregation going. And it's like, right. you're a rock star right now. You're a teacher in front of a classroom. You're a rock star right now. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, everybody's got that in them. Mm-hmm. I mean, podcasting. I'm a rock star right now. You know? But it's like, it's, and so there's like this certain level of self-importance, you know, in what's going on, you know, where it's like, okay, this is getting a little bit dangerous. Um, but like when it comes to identity, I think any situation where we put ourselves in the place of speaking into someone's identity, you're now getting into a realm where you're trying to separate what this person thinks is their identity from what is really their identity. And, you know, whatever it is, and, you know, obviously we can get right into the sexuality, you know, aspect Mm -hmm. of this too. Um, If it's something that they deem core to their identity, you know, whether it is, you know, a sexual thing or whether it is, you know, like, oh, well, I'm a, I'm the best bass player in the world. I am the best artist God ever created, right? Yeah. Whatever it is, you know, right? If that's core to that person's identity, you got to ask yourself, am I qualified to do this surgery mm-hmm. of removing that identity from that person because if I'm not qualified, me going up to them with a scalpel could kill them, right? Like this could be something that's so dangerous. And it seems to me that often we think we're more qualified than we really are when it comes to people's identity. I can see that because we think, oh, it's just really easy. It's not this because like so going and not to get too much into it but like you get someone who's found their identity in their sexual orientation yeah and that's how they identify and so like i don't find my my identity in my sexual orientation no. therefore obviously i can help you do the same thing <laughs> yeah. and it's that's not yeah. at all how it works just yeah. because so it's just yeah and i think a lot of times we just say well you know what? i don't struggle with this so therefore i'm going to help i'm not depressed so let me go help you mr depressed person just yeah. be happy and don't think about it. That, 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 no, well, that's, that's not how it works. You know, it's funny, too, because um, I had this idea. Um, I thought you cannot um, navigate someone out of somewhere you're not willing to go yourself. Ooh. And so it's like if I've experienced something, like I've experienced the loss of my cat. Actually, my cat is on the cover of ADD Masterminds. One of our cats mm. died. Um, Kanak, mm-hmm. he's the stripy one with the sunglasses. He didn't wear those sunglasses all the time. But <laughs> um, anyways, um, so if I meet someone who has a cat and they lose their cat, I might be able to help them navigate through that because I've experienced that. Now, mm-hmm. if I don't have that experience, the next best thing I can do is develop empathy and try to imagine 
being in the position of that person, and then maybe I can help them navigate. But yeah. if my depth of like understanding or my depth of actually feeling is shallow, it's very difficult to navigate them out of this. And yeah. so I had kind of like this theory, and it's kind of funny because Emmanuel Marsh, he's got a background in counseling. Um, he's like, uh, empathy's overrated. And I'm like, what? And then he told me there's like this podcast. It's um, oh, the dude from MASH. I can't remember his name. But um, anyways, he's got his own podcast. Um, Al Alba. Is Idris Alba? I don't know. Anyways. Oh, Idris Alba. Idris yeah. Alba. There we go. Um, anyways, he, um, he had this guy on that wrote a book about empathy being overrated. And it was really interesting because if you have full empathy for someone, so picture mm -hmm. yourself taking care of a crying baby. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. I got to have empathy. So you start crying too. <laughs> and you're completely helpless and losing your mind just like the baby. And it's like, okay, now, now I got to help them. And it's like, no, that doesn't make sense. So, I mean, yeah. there's like, so empathy, like, you know, this taking it literal and saying I have to have absolute empathy is, is not a solution. But I do think that there's some level of going there. And I think there's a difference between... Actually, I did a whole Wax Museum episode on this with Emmanuel Marsh. Um, mm -hmm. There is cognitive empathy versus, oh, snap, emotional empathy. Emotional yeah. empathy is where you actually feel what the person is feeling, which is the one you people usually mean when they're talking about empathy. But right. cognitive empathy is actually understanding this person's really messed up over this. And this is what I'd imagine that's like, but I'm not actually right where... So this baby is crying, losing right. its mind. Okay, I still have my thoughts collected enough to know what, how to deal with it, but I am aware of this is their emotional state. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I guess I said that we are talking about identity. <laughs> It's all good. <laughs> How very Canadian of you. Uh, um, oh, wait. I, I guess I should talk about what I'm not good at, hey? Yes. What aren't you? You aren't good at staying on topic. Hashtag <laughs> yeah. Hence the show. Yeah. Actually, I stay on topic good. pretty good on the Wax Museum, but we only have like one yeah. topic, so. Word. I just I, I'm glad I have both. Um, so, what am I not good at? I think I'm not good at. Shallow conversation and shallow people. I hate them. <laughs> you hate you. You are not good at loving people who need your love. Shallowly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I, I, I just well, want to hurt them and make them into hurting people. And ah, then we can get to some depth. Yes. And you can talk about how broken. I oh. think I think that those people if <laughs> If you have, if you are someone with a big brain and very intellectual, it is very difficult to deal with shallow people. <laughs> yeah. And so while the, so I say that in somewhat jest, it's like somewhat like. Um, <laughs> I know. I'm like, jest. I don't have a big brain. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's it is it's it's the difficult. false humility like, coming in there. I know my brain is yes. huge, as President Bleep would say. Yeah, it's just it's one of those things. It's like, how do I relate to this person? If this person yeah. is seemingly not at all like me, yeah, and I, and it's just one of those like I don't know. So I I sympathize with 
I might even empathize with you mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. It's um. This is a good counseling session, by the way. Yes. So when tell me about when you were three. <laughs> I um I actually I made a tweet about that about uh, I said, you know, if I ever sat down for coffee with Richard Dawkins, um, I would say, who hurt you? <laughs> And then it would end with him repenting and being baptized by me. (gasps) Yes. In the coffee shop. (laughs) Yes. I'm going to baptize him with Americano. That'll show him. Yeah, with America. Yeah. So I will just say there is is a, a positive correlation of people having issues with their fathers and being atheists. Huh. So it could actually be like um, Nietzsche had a terrible. His father was very abusive to him. Um, there's 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 a whole this. It's really it's really interesting. Uh, there's a whole book on it that basically goes to show that, and kind of the the theme of the books necessarily is that it's talking about why fathers are really important, but also how parents and the relationship that people have with their parents, how that is a positive correlation to how people interact with God and deities and um, stuff like that. Because it all comes down to authority figures and whatnot in their lives. Who hurt you, Richard Dawkins? Who did? Who did indeed. <laughs> yes. Okay, so I, I guess, so I, I think the solution with shallow people, <laughs> the people I perceive to be shallow, yes. um, I think what it is, is learning to have the humility to actually say, there's something I can learn from, you know, from this person. And, you know, developing genuine curiosity, even though this person seems to really not have a whole lot to say. Because a lot of times they may just not have anything to say about what interests you. Like one of my coworkers... I was I, there is no way at all we could ever have anything to talk about that actually meant anything in life. But if you got her, she was her her daughter did pig showing, like showing off showing pigs in fairs and whatnot. You start talking about that, she knew more about all this stuff than I could have ever met. I didn't even know that there's stuff about the ways that pigs walk and if you feed them certain things or poops. It is crazy. She is really yeah. like you get her started on something that she's good at. And that she knows a lot about and that kind of stuff. Then it's like, oh wow, this is the most in-depth conversation that I've ever had with her. And I, I am. She must think I'm really shallow. And I was like, yeah. oh, oh no. What if I'm, I'm the exact- shallow person? That's so good. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's funny too because what I've been realizing um, is, hmm. I think there are times where I have conversations with people mm-hmm. and they're like, it's like too much too soon coming out of my mouth. Yes. And so people I are like either, whoa, John's blowing my mind right now or John's just speaking gibberish. What is this <laughs> idiot saying? I, why is he saying this? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's weird because I, I it's taken me a long time to realize I can be a bit much for people. Word. 
And it's like, so how much, how much of me should be in this conversation? And it kind of comes back to, you know, that idea, you know, as a musician, you know, as a bass player, it's like, how much bass should we have in this music? Because there yeah. is such thing as too much. There's such thing as too little. And it's like, how do we, how do we play this role, you know, in people's lives? How much of me should there be in this? And how much of this should be me allowing the other person? It's almost like dancing. I'm going to, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to let you lead this part, right? And Right. And so, yeah. It's like that, um, the drummer from Ocean, like, uh, sorry. Yes, the, that one yes, drummer, that in drummer on Oceans, Oceans yeah, yeah. Like, brr, 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 brr. The double kick, yes. And it's like, so I think sometimes, especially like if you're more philosophical or theological and stuff yeah. like that, they'll be like, hey, so uh, why do you think we're always out of this? Well, I think it's a parallel for the life at... And they just hear, and it's like I was just I was I was talking about why they never have any cherry cokes. So what what are you talking? Oh, I was talking about the existential crisis that it leads to, and we don't have yeah. people who, uh, you know, da, 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 da. big well, words and for big brain people. And I I think that's too like you know I've been that tyrant you know band leader who's like no no no, no we're doing it this way. Yeah, You know, and it's like, no, we don't do the bridge once. That'll ruin the whole song. You ruined the whole song. So we need to do the bridge twice. I'm like super like anal when it comes to the song Oceans. You got to do the whole thing or it's garbage. And it's like, (laughs) I know it's repetitive, but the song's ruined if you don't do everything enough times, right? And I was thinking about like, as you were talking about like your guy that you're playing with, who's like, no, 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 we do it this way. And I'm like, you know why he's worried about making sure you do it a certain way? It's because <laughs> he senses that if it sounds like garbage in his mind, it's reflective of him. Ooh. And so I'm like thinking, well, as the band leader, if it sounds like garbage, that's me. And yeah. it's like, for me, like I, I believe one of my strengths is understanding this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And understanding how the song should go and what works and what doesn't work. Um, but to like, I think this is an example of laying down your life for your friend. It's not as noble right. as taking a bullet, but it's like, yeah, you know what? Oceans is going to sound like garbage. And there are people that are going <laughs> to look at me and say, wow, John, I thought you knew what you were doing. And I'm just going to be okay with them saying, John doesn't know what he's doing. Who cares right. what they think, right? And that is having that you know healthy tension between being and doing if i'm healthy if my i'm mentally healthy then i'm going to be okay with that the fact that some people think that i'm not i don't have the vision for music that i claim to right maybe i shouldn't claim that i have a vision for music maybe i should just let whatever i do speak for itself oh and if I don't have a vision for music, then I'll only go so far, right? Yeah. And I'm open to that right now. It's crazy. Like, cause even, you know, we launch Air Smudge and we're starting to, I'm starting to create stuff and other people are going to start, hopefully we'll get to the point where other people are creating stuff and I don't have to make everything, right? But, yeah. um, you know, like it's, it's going to get as big as it gets, right? And um, I'm excited about it. 
But I'm excited about where we're at right now. Like this is so cool that you know we've got we got you, right? When Ooh. you when you start coming out with more podcast episodes, you know we'll be able to add the little air smudge, and you can use your new yeah. Sonic branding. So you guys are gonna have I'm to excited. listen to Theosaurus Rex to hear the Sonic branding. Yes. And if you don't know what a Sonic branding is, it's like a very brief kind of clip, which you'll hear at the end of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but anyways, I'm just totally, it's that whole thing. I totally it's ADD'd like, uh, out here. It's just so for those of y'all in the audience who may not know, it's like when you hear do 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 do. Exactly. Then you know, oh, that's McDonald's. Yes. Or you may have said to yourself, I'm loving it. Just yes. forget. So. It's pretty good. Um, so just one last thing on uh-huh. the other thing. Um, with regards to... I, so I think, I think there's, there's, almost, there's almost two things with that. So it's with the, um, the performance type thing, going back to the oceans thing. There's one aspect where it's like, we want this to sound really good because we want to do our best and honor God. And then there's yeah. the other thing where it's like, you know what? I like that drummer dude. Like, apparently, if you like go and you hear the person's story, they were like in prison, and this was like they were just celebrating because they that song uh, really meant a lot to them. Yeah. And so it's one of those things where we like, you know what? It's it did not match at all. We've all laughed at it because it's so crazy. But then it's also one of those like I am so glad that he got to do that because yeah. that's the way that he was worshiping, and it was really cool that. While we do want to present our best to God and have it be as polished and as awesome and to put effort into things, it's also like God doesn't care that it's not perfect because we're trying our best. And like in the case of that guy, he was he was worshiping God in a way that like people don't worship God in many ways. So it's it's pretty cool. Have you uh, heard of Scott Adams? He's like the guy that um, runs Dilbert. Dilbert. He, he yes. created Dil- Dilbert. Um, actually, I mentioned him on the Wax Museum episode, too. You did. Really obsessed with this guy. Um, but yes. he has this book called Loser Think. And um, I was just thinking about it. One of the things, one of the key things he talks about is stop mind reading. Hmm. And we do a lot of that. And I think a lot about what we talked today about today involved mind reading that actually ties all this together i think ah. and it's like we we are reading minds so we we hear that drummer and we're like oh he thinks he's a big deal that's why he's doing the double kick yeah. and it's like no actually he he's really passionate right and there's there's something beautiful about that that's why god's so cool guys mm-hmm. so have you um, tried out the new Acme laser glasses? Uh, so I, they sent me a beta version. Uh huh. Um, and but they they came without the the laser, so I don't oh, know no. what I was supposed to be testing. Oh no! <laughs> I'll talk to uh, Gerald about that. Um, okay. Gerald from Acme. Um, yes. Sorry, little inside baseball. <laughs> He's a good friend of mine. Um, anyways, uh, so, um, they actually, yeah, if you get the ones with the laser, I don't know how they like made them without it. That's big. That's not typical of them. This is not good. Nope. It isn't. Uh, you know what? I'm going to call, you know, we're just, uh, 
Anyways, well, I got a pair, and they did have the lasers. Um, you just like press this button, and mm-hmm. the laser shoots out. Um, for all your lasering needs. Kind of like Cyclops. Kind of like Cyclops, yeah. Now I really wish I would have gotten the laser. You gotta be be super careful how you store them, though. Like you gotta put them in the case each time, because it's really easy to uh, press the button inadvertently. Mm. And um, yeah, my other cat Caspian, he's gonna be okay, but. Uh oh. And I can go to website.acme.lasers.net. Yes, com. I, I love the sound of your little hands <laughs> click clacking on the keyboard. It's tough because I have to have the special raised keyboard because of my little arms. Ergonomics. Woo-hoo. All right. Well, thank you once again. You're pretty much my co-host at this point. Yes. (laughs) And thank you, listener. Um, We love you. Thank you you very much. And we're going to try not to read your minds. So, uh, yeah. Um, Good night, everybody. Unless you're driving, then don't good night. (laughs) Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. You're driving. You need to stay awake. You're driving. Yes. Do not... Terrible idea. No more ASMR. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. This is Jimmy Humphrey. Did you know that 10 out of 10 people die? I'm going to die. You're going to die. We're all going to die. And after a recent medical emergency that left me in the hospital for over a week, at the ripe old age of 37 years old, I was forced to wrestle with my own mortality. I'd like to invite you to listen to jimmystable.com slash listen, where in episode 34, I talk about wrestling with my own mortality and how I found comfort in the face of much confusion, pain, and fear.